Thank you for joining us for another powerful message from the teaching ministry of Destiny Church. We hope that you'll be challenged and stretched to grow through today's message. But most of all, we hope that you'll encounter the Father's love. If you're in the greater Mobile Bay area, please join us for our weekend worship celebration. Or if you're looking for a church family excited for a revival, please come join us in bringing heaven to earth. This is our declaration that we say each week. Say it with me like you mean it. You ready? I will constantly guard my heart and align it with God's holy word for everything that I do flows from this. Everything that I do flows from it. So we're, get ready because we're about to align our, our hearts with God's holy word. So in this series that I started last week, I'm going to continue this series. And I'm going to be reading to you today out of Matthew chapter 13 about the first nine verses. And we'll, we'll kind of go there a little bit later in today's message. But in this message that I started last week, it's called... A hill to die on or hills to die on. There are some things right now, guys, that the church of the living God, that's me and you, that we've got to make our mind up what we're going to do about some hills that we are, are, have, have been playing with. Now, I want you to release your mouth, all right? Release your mouth because mouth comes with praise. You can't praise the Lord. I mean, well, I guess you can praise him in a number of ways. But praise primarily is a declaration thing. Also, when you're coming into alignment with the word, you speak the word. That's why last week, how do we conquer our mountains? Through prophetic declaration. Mean something's got to come out of our mouth. And y'all, there is a spirit of intimidation. I've been saying this, my God, for almost 14 years as Destiny Church. There's a, there is a spirit of intimidation on the church. And people won't call out. They won't speak out. They won't praise. And I, every Sunday, I have to tell myself down here, pull back a little bit. Because I probably am going to get to preach. Because when I'm praising, I'm praising loud. And sometimes, I'm, you want me to be honest with Well, I, I'm always going to do that. Sometimes I'm trying to fill the room up with praise because there ain't enough praisers. And I have to remind myself, hang on, pull it back a little bit because I, I, I have to save some voice for the word. But the church has been silent for so long on so many things. And the church is divided on things that we should and shouldn't be uh, vocal about. And it's because you have, uh, and, and, and I'm just telling you, because you have people that are standing where I stand that are ignorant of this. And there are people that are sitting where you sit that are ignorant of this. And so they say things that sound spiritual, but they're not spiritual at all. But when we know the word, when our heart is in alignment with the word, the word will speak to us. And when we are wrong, the word will correct us. Kind of getting ahead of myself in the message today. But it's about us. There are some hills that we have let the enemy have. Let me share a, a, a few of them with you. Now we haven't done this teaching in a long time. But the seven mountains of influence. And right down here in this corner. I've given you Isaiah 2, 2 through 4 as a scripture reference. If you want to go read that. And then it says, Bill Bright and Lauren Cunningham, they're with Campus Crusade for Christ and Youth with a Mission, respective, uh, respectively. And they had a prophetic vision that the Lord gave them at the same time of seven spheres of influence or seven mind molders, uh, seven uh, 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 mountains of society. You can call them whatever you want. But basically, if you look at our society, 
you can divide them out into those seven sectors, those seven areas. And my friends, I'm just here to tell you uh, that the church has abandoned every single one of them except the mountain of religion. And they've almost abandoned that one. And we'll have our concerts and we'll have our performances. See, a while ago when the Lord said, you have made a place for me. I made my mind up a long time ago. That I am not here to please you. I am not here to pamper you. I am not here to try to get you to stay. There are new folks in the room today that this has been your first time. Some of y'all, it's your second time. Listen, my, uh, my role at Destiny Church is not to get you to stay at Destiny And that goes against everything that I was taught in seminary. That goes against everything that the professional clergy uh, will tell you to do. But I've made my mind up a long time ago. I'm going to do one thing when we come into this room. One thing when we come into this room and all attention is going to be focused on him. All the glory is going to go to him. And we don't spend, I, I believe in giving honor where honor is due. And I praise the praise team and the different servants in our areas. And there's a time and a place for that. But when we come into this room, it is not about your wants. It is not about my wants. It is not about my needs. It is not about what, what tickles us. And churches have absolutely split over which songs they sing or, or uh, you know, whether they use the right lighting or the colors in the sanctuary. My God, he departed from that place and wrote Ichabod over the door a long time ago and the people, forgive my French, are too dumb to even know. And the Holy Ghost is nowhere to be found. But they're here entertaining themselves. I just made my mind up a long time ago. We can do it with two people. We can do it because I know Shay and I are going to be here. We can do it with two people. We can do it with three people. We can do it with 30 people. We can do it with 300. We can do it with 3,000. But whatever we do is going to be to give him glory. And when we come into this room, it's all about him. It's all about him. But the church has been so silent. It's almost like we have spiritual laryngitis. We're quiet. Oh Lord, don't get us started on government and politics. Don't get us started on the marketplace, education. Well, you know what? People who will say... People don't want to hear that. People don't want to hear that. I literally had a pastor tell me recently, people don't come to church to hear that. And I didn't talk uh, much to him. We're in a group, you know, a group of 30 other pastors. And I'm thinking, how, how, how sad that this pastor is ignorant of the word of God. Genesis chapter 1 verse 28 says, Be fruitful multiply, fill the earth, and govern it. You, you understand. Be fr- it's a fourfold mandate on mankind. Be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, and then govern the earth. And what has happened is while we have abandoned the mandate that God put on the people of God, The enemy has stepped in. Now, I don't have time to go into it, but what happened is the church began to focus on the church. And it was all, I mean, this is decades, decades in the making. This didn't happen in the 80s. It didn't happen in the 70s. It goes decades, half a century back, further What happened is the church began to focus on the church. And we made the church an idol. Come on, pastor. That's really good preaching, pastor. 
the church began to make the church an idol. They made preachers idols. They make preachers idols today. You ever heard somebody say, man, he's got preacher religion. I guarantee you. If there are preachers in our community that if they picked up and moved to Dallas, Texas, there would be a buttload of folks that would move from this area to that area. Why? Because they have preacher religion. They've made their pastor an idol. We have made preaching. I, I don't care if you want to hear it. You're going to hear it or y'all can get up and walk out. But we've made the art of Preaching, homiletics, hermeneutics, expository preaching. We've made that a God, an idol. Some of y'all know what Stephen Furtick preaches more than you know what God says in your own house. Some of y'all know what Bill Johnson and Chris Vallotton and Jensen Franklin preach more than what God has said in your own house. I don't have anything against any of those guys, and I listen to all of them. But I have not made a God out of preaching. I have made, not made a God out of how somebody delivers in the pulpit. I grew up. And however, people would go to a place based upon who was preaching. And if that person wasn't preaching, they didn't go. My friend, that's an idol. That's preacher religion. And while we focus so much on the church and so much energy on the church, and we abandoned all of the other areas, guess who is invading that territory? Now you would have to be stone cold blind to disagree who's in charge of the government Christians or the world who's in charge of the marketplace Christians or the world who's in charge of education Christians or the world who's in charge of art sports and entertainment Christians or the world who's in charge of the media that's the news and uh, newspapers who's in charge of that who's in charge of the family when the divorce rate is higher in the church than it is outside of the church, the church ain't in charge of it. Christians aren't. When you have so much dysfunction in families, and I'm not, Shay and I aren't without dysfunction. We're trying to work on ours. But you, know, you understand what I'm saying? Like when the church, we've, 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 we've lost the family. We, I'm, I'm, that's not debatable. It's not conjecture. We've lost the family. And dude, I'm just telling you, six out of seven ain't a real good average. And now the enemy is after the church. If you don't pay attention to what's happening, I was talking before service to someone and I said, listen, you need to be praying for me during this series because the enemy does not want to hear the things that I'm going to be saying. And he had loved to get this into the right hands. You understand, we punched a hole into the world through that video back there. And everything that I say in this room is going out into the world right now. You understand, I know this for a fact. Everybody that watches Destiny Church is not for our good. They are... Just like trolls on Facebook, there are trolls that are watching. Listen, you can believe that or you cannot believe that. I've had people at this church that people at their businesses have trolled them when they preached and brought it up against them in their business. Don't tell me the devil ain't coming to church. Don't tell me that the devil ain't an online viewer. And by the way, I'm not calling any of you guys who are watching the devil. I love y'all. But we got to raise a voice, man. If you're not paying attention to what's happening in our neighbor to the north. Everybody's focusing on the neighbors to the south. You better pay attention to what's happening in the north. They are, they are building fences around churches and the police are banning people uh, from going into churches. 
I pray and hope to God that never happens here in Daphne, Alabama. But I I have already put out a clarion call to some of my pastor friends. And I said, if they bring that crap, excuse my French, if they bring that junk, if they bring that to this county, we better be ready to show up in the thousands and the tens of thousands. If they do it to our brothers to the north of us, the south of us, the east or the west, there might come a clarion call out from Destiny Church. We will not be meeting on site this Sunday. We are meeting over at Pathway Church or City Hope or Three Circle or First Baptist or, you know, the little church around the corner that nobody knows that pastor or his name. We show up in the thousands and the tens of thousands and say, we are not the church, we are not bringing and mortar but we are many if the devil can say to Jesus we are legion guess what we can say to the government we're legion look at us it's time to speak up I had a pastor to tell me you know see nobody wants to talk about these areas And they've all gone to hell. Literally, they've all gone to hell. They are the kingdom of darkness because we would not stand on that hill and protect it. And so they've gone the way of the enemy. I'm telling you what, church, we better stand up. We better get vocal. I had a pastor to tell me in that meeting... um, People don't want to hear that. People don't want to hear political stuff. Listen, you have to understand there's a word political that people have twisted that word. Anything pertaining to politics or the government is political. There's nothing wrong with talking about political things. People have twisted that word and they've made it to to be like whatever your preference is. And they use that to divide. And I'm telling you, when... You mention anything political, like people start getting turned off. And I'm like, had a pastor to me tell me, he said, you know, people don't want to hear that. They don't come to church for that. And I said, you know, I said, I'll do respect. And if I could just be blunt with you, this was an African-American pastor that was saying this. And I said, I'll do respect, my friend. I said, if we went by your logic... We never would have had a civil rights movement. Dr. Martin Luther King, if we, if we had gone by your logic, Dr. Martin Luther King would have not had a platform. Because he rallied the troops. And where did he fight his battle? He didn't fight it in the church. Those were the people that were with him. Where did he fight his battle? In the public arena and at the White House. At the Capitol. At at the, uh, at the mall there, uh, what do they call that? The pedestrian mall right there before the Washington Monument. He took it to the place because the church does not make law decisions. Those decisions are made in the political arena. When we abandoned the political arena, that's when it went to hell in a handbasket. We have got to stand up for biblical truth. So what do we do? Well, I got my opinion of what to do, and I got who I want to vote for. I, honestly, it does not matter if he's black, white, Hispanic, Asian. It does not matter any of that. What matters is, is that person supporting biblical standards? That's What matters? And I I want you to understand, when we come to these seven mountains, these seven areas of influence, if we do not start taking a stand on these hills, we will never see those hills regained again. But it is possible. It is possible. Say it with me. It is possible. I want you to look at this real quick. The word 
of God is the first and final authority. This is a mountain that we've got to stand on. This is a hill that we've got to be willing to die on. But because we have not done it, and I don't want to get too far down in some of the things that I'm going to be talking about. But because we have not done this, we have not lived as God's word is the first and the final authority. We now have upwards of 50 plus genders. Well, we don't have them, but they've made them up. Because we have not stood our ground on the primacy of life and the sanctity of life, we kill millions of children every year. Why? Because we have not upheld the primacy of God's word. This is first and foremost, and it is the final authority. I don't care what Snoop Dogg says. I don't care what Katy Perry says. I don't care what your favorite sports person says. I don't care about any of that. What I'd say with... People start speaking words out of their mouth, whether it's the words coming out of my mouth or somebody that's an influencer in your life. You go, I'll hear your words, and then I'm going to align them with this. And if they ain't in alignment with this, I ain't having it. I'm not having it. This is a hill that we have to be willing to die on. But people haven't been willing to die on this hill. I don't want to hurt anybody's feelings. I don't want to upset anybody. Listen, if you're trying to do everything you can to people, please, you still are going to upset, hurt, offend, disappoint somebody. Listen, we don't alter God's word to fit our lifestyle. We alter our lifestyle to fit his word. That's the difference between exegesis and eisegesis. Exegesis is, let me open the word and see what it says to me. It's going from the word here. Eisegesis is what most of the church is doing nowadays. And the world is definitely doing it. Well, this is my lifestyle. Let me go in here and see, can I find a verse to support it? Oh, oh, here's one. Oh, I have to cut off that front part. Oh, I can't use it. But I can use these six words right here to justify my lifestyle. That's eisegesis. And that's what we have now. People, I'm telling you, they will use the word of God to validate their lifestyle. They will use their, 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 uh, the word to validate their views. We don't alter the word of God for our lifestyle. We alter our lifestyle to fit God's word. That's so important to us, guys. I want you to look at this real quick. Um, I want you to read Hebrews 13 with me. Or, sorry, Matthew, Matthew 13 with me. And while you're turning there, Jesus, he's using a parable. And so he's, he's talking about a farmer. And he's going to lay out what happens when a farmer begins to scatter seeds. Verse 13, towards the very end. Where it says, listen. You there? He says, listen. Let me tell you what that means. Hey, pay attention. That's what it means. Pay attention. Stop doing all the crazy stuff. Stop doing, you know, things that get your mind off. Stop worrying about whatever. Focus on what I'm about to tell you. That's what that means. I'm not trying to be funny. He's, he's, he's saying, I'm about to say something important. And you need to get this more than just here. It's got to go here and sink into your heart. And so he says, listen, a farmer went out to plant some seeds. And as he scattered them across his field, some seeds fell on a footpath. And the birds came and ate them. The other seeds fell on shallow soil with underlying rock. The seeds, they sprouted up quickly because the soil was shallow. But the plants soon wilted under the hot sun. 
And since they didn't have deep roots, they died. Then other seed fell among thorns, and they grew up, and they choked out the tender plants. In other words, the weeds overcame the plant. And still other seed fell on fertile soil, and they produced a crop that was 30, 60, and even 100 times as much as the planter had planted. Now, anyone who has ears to hear, let him hear and understand. Like anyone who has ears to hear. What he means is anyone in this house today who you truly are trying to align your life with the word and you want to grow. Hear it and understand. Hear, but also understand. Because knowledge is different from understanding. And knowledge without understanding is useless. It's just a bunch of head book knowledge. And Jesus knew, just like I know this morning, oh how I wish and oh how I know Jesus wished that 100% of his audience was ready to receive the word, apply it, activate it, and do something with it. But he knew that there were people. I know that there are people in here today that you're not ready for that. I can't help you. Only you can help you get to that point. Hopefully you will be by the end of the day. If not, maybe this is a, a, a seed. But you're one of, every person in this room is one of those types of soil. I want you to look at this. There's four hearts of hearers. These four soils, the first one was there was hard soil. It was beat down over time. People are walking on it. You've been on a path before. It's hard ground because it's been packed down. These represent the people who refuse to hear. These represent the people that they're incapable of hearing. They were dragged here today. They didn't. There was a time in my life that I was the hard soil. I went to church because my parents made me go to church. I lied and thought up of every excuse I could, but my parents, they were good soil. It went down deep and already started to sprout, and so they drug the old hard soil to church. And over a period of time, the hard soil became rocky soil. Like, oh, the words started getting in me, but still in that soil, I didn't go very deep. And I didn't go deep for quite some time. And so what happens with these people is they receive the word of God with joy. And they're excited about it. They'll have a salvation experience. But because they're, 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 they're so much underneath that they're not willing to expose because of whatever. Pride or shame or condemnation. They will not go very deep. In the word of God. I've seen people who are baby Christians. And they've been that for decades. And they are so shallow. And I'm not saying that to be rude or derogatory. It's just like Paul said to the Corinthians. My brothers and sisters. You guys should be way further along. Than you are. But you still need to be sucking at your mother's breast. You still need to be breastfed. Because you, this shouldn't be. You're too old in the faith. You should be more grown, more mature than what you are. And so these are those people that they receive it, but they just don't go deep. And so it withers and doesn't last. Then it, the next soil is thorny soil. The thorns of life represent the different cares and chaos. You ever seen people that live in chaos? I mean, come on, every person in this room, you probably know somebody that lives in chaos. There's so much chaos going on in their world, they can never grow as a Christian. They just cannot mature because their world is too chaotic. Listen, you can say goodbye to that. You can do some things and you can mature and you can clean up your chaos. But if there is constant drama in your life, I grew up in a family where there's always somebody fighting. There's always somebody bickering. There's always somebody offended in my family. And you know what I decided to do? I'm leaving y'all and that junk behind. I'm marrying me a woman 
And we are getting away from y'all's craziness. I ain't lying. Now, I love the crazy folks. I used to be one of the crazy folks. But there came a time in my, in my life, I'm tired of living in the thorns. And I remember in my life as a young person that the Lord gave me some revelation. And I said, it's going to stop with me. The stupidity is going to stop with me. The drama is going to stop with me. The alcoholism is going to stop with me. All of these generational patterns and curses are going to stop with me. Y'all can live in that lunacy if y'all want to. And I'll come visit you in the nut house every now and then. But I am not going to bring that mess back home with me. And we broke it. We broke it. And you can. You can. Come out of that after you've gotten tired enough of living in that. But look at this. There's a, there's a rich soil. There's a soil that is so ready and ripe. And God will plant the word, the word in rich soil. And rich soil is the kind of soil that is like, God, just come to me however you want to come. Now, up on the thorny soil, God, you can come, but you're going to have to work around all my mess. Lord, bless this mess. I've already told you, God ain't going to bless your mess unless you're willing to come out of it. If, you will, if you're going to stay in that mess, some, a friend of mine and I were having this conversation the other day. To him who knows to do good and does it not, to him it is sin. You can't still live in sin and know it's sin. Uh, uh, you can't continue to live in a wrong way. And you know it's wrong. And Holy Ghost tells you it's wrong. And he's convicted you and 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 convicted you. Convicted you. You can't do it. It's sin. Stop it. Just stop it. Because God has better for you. He has better for you. Listen, I want to say this. Let's move on. Um, God's word, can you put me back on the screen? I think I messed it up. God's word is useful for four things. All right? And this is what I want you to do. Look on the screen real quick. All scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true. To make us realize, oh, revelation. Are you with me? Teach us what is true. That's the truth. That's instruction. To help us realize, that's revelation, what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us. That's correction. Teaches us when we're wrong and to do what is right. And then God uses it to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. Let me show you these four things real quick. There's some more I'm going to add up there. But right now I just want to show you the four that come out of that. Paul is telling Timothy. Timothy, all scripture. Not the first three pages. Not the ones that you don't like. Let's rip that one out. All of it. Is God breathed, the ruach, the breath, the very presence of God breathed this word to the writers and they penned it. He says, every bit of scripture, every bit, the old, well that's the Old Testament, Pastor. We're under the new covenant. Yes, we are. And thank God we are. Because what Jesus did on the cross, he removed the sting of the, uh, uh, of, of the uh, reprimand for not following when we got out. But you know what he did? He left the blessing of the Old Testament covenant in place. That's why, well, preacher, we ain't got a tithe because that's in the Old Testament. Well, it's in the New Testament, too, if you read the New Testament. But there's a blessing that comes from that. But he took the curse away. Now, some pastors preach, you better tithe or I'd rather have, bless God. Let me, I'm getting my, my religious preacher 
on. Sometimes this offends people. I've had people to tell me it offends them. I am. But I've had preachers, bless God, I'd rather have 90% that's blessed than 100% that's cursed. Hallelujah. Listen, if you're a Christian, can't none of it be cursed. You can keep all 100%. Listen, most preachers are not going to preach this way to you. You can keep all 100% and you will not be cursed. If, if you were preached that other way, I don't care who it is. I don't care if it was Billy Graham. He was wrong. Christians cannot be cursed. He satisfied that on the cross. Took the curse away. But he left. He left the blessing in place. And so God's word is profitable to instruct me. Like I've got knowledge. There was a time in my life I didn't know one bit of the word of God. Not one bit. I wasn't raised as a kid in church. I didn't know any scriptures. I, whenever I started going to church with Shay and I would go off into the little youth classes that we would have, I was embarrassed because I didn't know who Abraham was. I had no clue who Noah was. I didn't know anything about blind Bartimaeus or, or uh, Matthias. Or, I, I didn't know any of that. And I felt like ashamed. And, 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 and Listen, you don't have to be ashamed of what you don't know. You don't have to be ashamed of what you don't know. And there was a time I didn't know any word, and now I know a lot of word. But I don't know all the word. I don't know everything there is to know. That's why I stay in the word. And so the word is good for instruction. I go to it. The scripture says, your word have I hid in my heart. In other words, I've tucked it away. I might not need this word today, but I might in three weeks or three years from now. And Holy Spirit will activate that or you will be prepared when that time comes. It's good for instruction. It's good for revelation. It's good for correction. Oh my God, can we just tear that one part out or redact it? Give me my big old Sharpie black marker that I can just redact those few lines. Listen. The word of God is good for correction. I'm here to tell you as a man of God who's experienced it many times, people will leave a church before they'll be corrected. They will leave a church. Some of y'all have left churches that you weren't willing to be corrected there. I can't do anything about that. And the only thing you could do is maybe go back to your pastor and apologize if that was the case. And I would encourage you to do it. I've had people to come back to me and say, Pastor Rife, I'm sorry for the way I left and how I treated you. I have. But correction is part of discipline. The scripture says that a father disciplines those that he loves. Now, if you were raised, I hated that scripture. You know why I hated it? Because discipline for me looked like this. It looked like a beating. That's what discipline looked like for me. And I hated, I hated the fact that the father wanted to discipline me. And then I became a daddy. And this is what discipline looked like for me. Hey, buddy, come here and sit down. Daddy wants to talk to you for a second. So that thing that you did the other day. What do you think about that? Is there something you could have done better? Yeah. Talking it through. And then I realized that is what the Father's discipline looked like. Holy Spirit will come sit down beside you and say, Hey, hey I'm not trying to make you feel bad. I just want you to you know, I just want you to think, you know, like I have something better for you. And he just enters into this. And it's just this beautiful time of realigning. That's really what, that's really what correction, discipline looks like from the Father. It looks like a correction. I will constantly align, guard my heart and align it with God's holy word. For everything I do flows from it. That's what discipline looks like. And so many times in the church, we have not 
corrected in love. And it looked like the belt's coming off and there's a butt whipping coming. Because we have spoken the truth, but we didn't do it in love. And that's why so many people have turned against the church. That's why so many people groups have turned against the church. It's because we will talk about them when it's like, you know, wait till one of those becomes your family member. We'll kick people out, won't let them have positions in church because they got a divorce. Well, wait till somebody in your family gets divorced. I'm not prophesying that on you. I'm saying by the same standard you judge, that's the same standard that's going to be used to judge you. Had a preacher one time, he, you know, he, he made some comments about this, these young people and them getting pregnant before marriage and yada, yada, yada and blah, blah, blah until his daughter got pregnant. And not only was he just any preacher, he was a man of high stature. And it's like the Lord, the same standard you use to judge, the Lord has a way of putting us in, his pla- in our place. I'm not saying that the Lord calls that to happen, but the Lord can humble some folks. And so it's good for correction. Oh, but look at this one. It's good for preparation. He says it's good to thoroughly equip, prepare us for every good work. I'm just telling you there are people in the body of Christ that there are blessings that are on, they, they are on back order. They're waiting on the warehouse docks of heaven. Come on, somebody could, could be, should be just like going ballistics over this. They are waiting on the... Uh, if, if heaven has some kind of, of, of dock, if you ever saw a warehouse dock where the trucks back up to them and they, they're just waiting for pallets to be loaded on the truck, I'm telling you what, the Scripture, the Word, I didn't make this up, the Word says that God Himself is watching over His Word to perform it. That as it's spoken, He's like, they put an order in. Let, let, let's ship this one down there. Here, put an order in. He's watching over His Word. That's why I'm saying you got to make declarations. you got to say what you want. You got to prophesy what is is coming to your house. And there are people that are not prepared to receive what God has for you. And you're sitting there wondering, God, when is is my blessing going to come? It's sitting on the docks. It's sitting on the docks. But you're not prepared for it. You have not placed the word inside of you enough. You've not let the word marinate. You've not grown in the word. And so it's like, I'm not trying to make this sound condemning to the people of God. I'm just telling you, there are things in my life that I have been waiting on. And God's like, you ain't waiting on me. I'm waiting on you. Because the word of God is there to prepare Rife Stewart for the good works that God has called me to. And so I'm like, God, I don't want to be the hold up in this relationship. I don't want to be the one that like it's not coming because I'm not ready. Man, let's get ready to receive and open ourselves up to what God has for us. I want you to I want you to look at this. The word of God is for provision. If you don't believe me, look at this. James chapter 122 says this. And Brandon, if you want to come to the keys. Says this. But don't listen. Don't just listen to the word of God. You must do what it says. In other words, there's a listening But then there's an obedience, there's an action, there's a doing that comes in part. There are so many people that they have so much head knowledge of the word of God, but very little action. Like very little execution, implementation. And so he says, don't do that. You must do what it says. Otherwise, in other words, if you hear it, but you are not living it, you're fooling yourselves. You ever met somebody that it's like they truly are deceived and they think 
that they are operating as a mature believer. And it's sad because they, you could try to tell them and they would get ticked off at you. Because they can't see it because that's the nature of deception. People who are deceived don't know they're deceived. They're just deceived. And so he says, don't do that. Because if you're not implementing what you're receiving, you truly are living a deceived life. But look at verse 25. It says, but if you look carefully into the perfect law, that's this thing. If you look carefully into the perfect law, that sets you free. This is what sets you free. He says, if you do what it says and don't forget what you heard, then God will bless you for doing it. Remember back in Matthew chapter, what was it, 13? He said, when it goes down deep, when it roots, when it begins to grow, there's a, there's a prosperity that's coming. Think outside of money prosperity. There's a prosperity. Your marriage is going to prosper. Your children's relationships are going to prosper. Your health is going to prosper. Your emotional health is going to prosper. Your joy is going to increase. Like when you do that, he said there's some that plants and it's 30, 60, and 100 times the return of what was planted. So when we look at this, we see provision comes. When we are obedient to the word of God, when we stand up for it, provision comes. And then the last thing is protection. When Jesus, when he went into the wilderness and was tempted, Holy Spirit just dragged him right out into the desert. And when Holy Spirit, my pants are about to fall down. I only got a few more minutes, so I'm not going to put it back on. When the enemy came, every time, every time, every time, Jesus combated him with the word. Devil shows up on the scene the first time. Jesus uses the word. He's gone. What does the devil do? Comes back. Well, dadgummit, that didn't work. I'm going to get me this and the best Beth Moore study I can get, bless God. And I'm going to go get me a sozo and we're going to do some deliverance ministry. Listen, all those things, all those things you can do. And I'm all for every one of those things. But if you are not doing your part, the devil, he's a formidable foe. And he will come back. Listen, we, we something, but you ain't, you ain't greater than Jesus. You co-equal. Preacher, that's blasphemy. No, you just need to get in your word. Because the word says I'm co-heirs with Christ. And the last thing, at last time I checked, two, two heirs that are equal. You know, but we ain't greater than him. And if the enemy will march himself up in Jesus' business three times in a row... Who are you to think that he's not going to do the same thing? And every time, every time, Jesus went to the Word. And, 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 and of course, we can't see what Jesus, uh, how he did it. But I just got a feeling. Yeah, he was the Word. But I, I just got a feeling that Jesus, he didn't get all Pentecostal and charismatic. I just got a feeling. That he didn't, you know, those of us who were raised Pentecostal and charismatic, we think you got to get in a certain, oh, geez, let me get my T.D. Jakes voice. You know, my God, get ready, get ready, get ready, get ready, get ready. Devil, you better, you know. I just got a feeling that, that Jesus said, listen, the word says that man does not live by bread alone, but every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. <laughs> and the devil is just like, listen, 
It ain't the voice you say it in, and I get it. There ain't nothing wrong with saying it in a, in a, in a loud, crazy voice because we just get emotional about stuff. But I'm telling you what, you can whisper it, you can sing it, you can cry it, you can shout it, you can say it in tongues, you can do whatever. The enemy's response is going to be the same every time. But you have to know the word. Listen, listen, you got to know the word. You cannot just quote the word. You have to know the word. You know, in the biblical terms, uh, times when, when they said a man, he didn't know a woman or he knew her, it meant that they had had sex or hadn't had sex. They had been intimate with one another, as close as you can get. Well, you got to know the word. You've got to have gotten intimate with it. You've got to, if you'll just forgive me, you have to have gotten naked with the word. And oh, some religious folks will get all upset about that. But you got to strip yourself down and let God see you for who you really are. and Get that religious mindset and that religious facade. And you can fool the people in the church. You might be able to fool the pastor, but you are not going to fool the devil. And you surely are not going to fool God. You've got to get naked before him and say, Lord, I want to know you. I want to know your word. I want to fill myself with your word so that when the enemy comes and he he comes in like a flood flood the in the word says that when the enemy comes in like a flood the like a flood the lord raises a standard against him but you have to have some standard in you you have to know some standard for you to raise up a standard against the devil and he will this will protect us I know it sounds archaic and I know it sounds outdated, but I'm standing on the word of God. Then, I want you to say this with me as a declaration. We're getting ready to leave. Would you say it with me? God's word is the first and final authority. We do not alter God's word to fit our lifestyle we alter our lifestyle to fit God's word. Listen, this is the first and final authority on marriage. This is the first and final authority on parenting. This is the first and final authority on giving. This is the first and final authority on homosexuality, transgenderism. This is the first and final authority on racism. This is the first and final authority over any political figure. This is the first and final authority over every single thing, including the coronavirus. This is the first and final authority. And whoever you're listening to, whether it's Rife Stewart, Bill Johnson, Jeremiah Johnson, any of these folks, you better make sure their prophecies line up with the Word of God or turn them off because this is the first, primero, numero uno, the number one source. This. And if we would stop listening to our favorite folks out there and go, God, what does your word say about it? What does your word say about it? Because this is the standard. It's the standard. Going back to what I was saying about you got to know the word. There's plenty of instances throughout scripture where people knew the word and they spoke it to the devil. And the devil's like, I believe that more than you believe it. But because you don't believe it, there's no authority in it. And I don't have to bow to that word. Because you don't own it. I'm telling you what, if you put God's word in your mouth, you better own it. Because the devil will kick your tail like he did those seven sons of Sceva. And he might whoop you up so bad he leaves you like them, butt naked and running for the hills. I ain't making it up. Go to the book of Acts and look it up yourself. They tried to put the word of God in their mouth, but they weren't working by the authority that God gave them. They're working on something over here that some other preacher said, which was Apostle Paul, by the way. And the enemy's like, you don't really believe that. If you did, 
you never would have brought him into the picture boys this is between me and you and it's I'm fixing to whoop y'all's tail and he did when you put the Word of God in your mouth make sure you speak it with boldness which is not necessarily loudness boldness authority you own the word and some of us if we would just flat out get mad at the devil if we just get mad at the devil and we would channel that energy into standing up for the Word of God pastor Rife, how can tell me quick how can I activate the word this is how you do it guys it's super simple it's so simple it seems elementary you got to learn it and live it learn it and live it you can't live it until you learn it remember I told you there was a time in my life I didn't know any word of God now I know a lot of word of God but I'm way down the road and at first I felt intimidated and I felt like, you know, there, I, don't, I, I don't know how to do what all these other people are doing. But I got around people who knew how to do it. And I followed them. I mimicked them. I let them mentor me and teach me. And I'm telling you what, if the devil comes up in here with me, and I've had some hell of a fights with the devil. But if the enemy is going to come after me, and believe me, he has, he's going to have a fight on his hands because this old boy is not laying down and just taking it lightly. It's going to be a fight, and if it, I find out that I'm losing ground and I can't, I'm dragging Tim into the fight with me, and I'm dragging dra Butch and, and Allen and Harold and Carrie and Zuri, and I, I'll, have, I'll, I'll, I'll go rally me some troops of Bible-believing, word-filled people to get on my side. So how do we do it? How do we do it, Pastor Rife? Listen, there are so many practical ways that you can do it. Just start somewhere. Start somewhere. Download you a Bible app. Sign up for a daily email devotional. Pastor Rife, I can't get into reading the Bible. I was there. I was that person. I can't understand it. Find you a version that you can read. You do not have to read the King James Version. There's tons of them that you can read. Sign up for a small group. Like we've got two happening this week. One of them is spiritual house cleaning. How do you do it? Get in the Word. Get in a small group. Come to church. My God. We are about to lose this mountain called the church. When the average person comes to church, this is going to blow you away. The average person comes to church one out of four Sundays. 25% of their weeks, they come to church. Pastor, you, you ain't got to go to church. You ain't got to yes you do stop saying that the word of God says do not forsake the assembling together does that mean I got to come to this building no but you got to go to some place where there are some believers gathered in a group if God was not into groups he would have said well whether you're gathered in my name there I'll be and that's true but he didn't say that what did he say where two or three more are gathered in my name, there I'm going to be. There's something about collectivity. There's something about collectivity. And you know what? Go to church. Go to church. I'm going to be preaching on church. Hopefully y'all come that day. But I'm going to, that's a mountain that listen we're about to lose it coronavirus you can say what you want to that was a diabolical uh, it, that uh, weapon that was unleashed for many 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 reasons multifaceted and one of them was to kill the church all right I'm gonna stop there because I could go on forever and I know my wife's giving me the ugly eye that I, I'm not even looking at her Start somewhere, please. Please start somewhere.
I'm going to say one more hard thing to you. I'm going to say one more hard thing to you. Because you need to hear it. If you ain't seen any growth in your life spiritually, if you haven't seen any growth in your life in the natural, something's wrong and it ain't your church. It ain't your preacher. It's you. You are in charge of you. Grow. Get somewhere and grow. Get somewhere and grow. That's the last hard thing I'm going to say to you. All right? I love you. When we finish praying, our prayer team's going to be down here. They'll pray with you about anything spiritually, physically, financially, or emotionally. They'll pray with you down here. Thank you for listening, those of you who have ears to hear.